You're listening to Asians Represent, a series on the OneShot Podcast Network. I'm your host, Daniel Kwan, and this episode is brought to you by our amazing supporters on Patreon. Head to patreon.com slash aznsrepresent for exclusive content, show notes, and more. I am really excited to hear your thoughts on the Disney Plus television adaptation of Jin Yang's classic graphic novel, American Born Chinese. Before we dive into this, this is the topic at hand right now. This is gonna, there are going to be spoilers in this episode. Yes, they are going to be spoilers. Um, Agatha and I have not watched the full series yet. I have watched half of the series uh, as of today, June 2nd. Uh, Agatha, you have, <laughs> I watched... have watched... one-fourth of the series. Yeah. <laughs> you, but the first episode is the longest episode. Oh, is it? Yeah, oh. the episodes kind of peter down. It's really weird because Disney does this thing for its their original series where they have inconsistent um, episode lengths. Yeah, I don't like know. Like Mandalorian I season that. three had that too. It was like one episode's like fifty minutes, and then another's like thirty minutes, and then one's thirty seven minutes, not counting credits, like counting the credits. And it's uh, yeah, but American Born Chinese was like. 45 minutes yeah. or 50 minutes for the first episode and then the second episode was like 40 and then there was one episode it was only 30 minutes really um yeah they they, they okay. kind of vary in duration um but yes regardless of the length of the episodes we have not watched the entire series as of the recording um but i think we have watched enough and we've both read the original graphic novel oh, have, have you, you read have it, it. This is my second copy of it because I gave my first one away. <laughs> I gave my first one away to um, Jason Lowe, who now works for Marvel, because um, he hadn't read it. And I was like, oh, take it, thinking <laughs> I would never revisit this after loving it. And now I was like, fuck, I need to buy another copy. Um, but yeah, yeah, you've read this. I yeah, think we both, I read it. Yeah. And I, I read it at exactly the right time, which was, I think, my last year of high school. Yeah. Okay. I read this in post undergrad oh so much that's later. also very interesting so yeah much later and i think the i think it would have affected me a lot differently if i had read it in high school because so? this came out oh be i think we okay why don't we dive into it why don't we dive into yeah, it yeah let's get into I think the that's graphic the, novel the crux of it Yes. And then we can go into the show as well and talk about like comparisons. So again, for those who are listening or watching, spoiler heavy, spoiler heavy episode of Asians Represent. Watch the TV show, read the graphic novel first, and then come back. Um, yeah, so graphic novel for me, I think, would have affected me a lot differently because by the time I had read this for the first time um i had really embraced my chinese canadian identity but when i was in high school i was very much like in 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 the comic and i think the whole part about him kind of like turning white was something that i think would have hit me a lot differently in high school because the high school that i went to um in toronto so i was born for context i was born and raised in toronto um english is my first language 
My father came here from China and my mother was born here. Both of them speak Chinese fluently. Um, and uh, grew up in a very white neighborhood. Like a very white neighborhood. Um, like I did not know other Chinese people in my neighborhood. The only other Asians that I knew maybe growing up were the people who owned the candy store in my neighborhood. And that was it. The only other time I saw Chinese people were like with my family or if we went downtown. Um, in high school, the high school I went at went to was like 90% Asian. Like, and mostly Chinese. And the rest were like Portuguese, Italian, and then a handful of, of like other folks of different you know, ethnicities. Um, but I was like one of the only Asians there who didn't really speak Chinese well. Didn't speak Chinese well. Um, I did things that none of my Chinese peers did. Like I was the captain of the swim team um, and there were no Chinese people on the swim team. Um, I wasn't good at like, you know, the, I wasn't really good at math. I couldn't handle the Asian six pack um, for context. For those who don't know, the Asian six pack is three maths, three sciences. Um, I did my best to set myself apart from the 90% in high school. And I, it was like a point of pride to me, like being uh, a banana, like yellow on the outside, white on the inside. It was like a point of pride for me. Um, and I was like super resistant to learning Chinese, super resistant to like eating Chinese food. And like, I'll eat it, but it wouldn't be my first pick. Like I was, I always brought lunch to school, but I was always wanting to buy lunch from the cafeteria. And it was like not Asian food. <laughs> uh, it's like your, you know, your cafeteria food. And I was always wanting to do that. Um, and so if I had read this graphic novel in high school, I think it would have been like a huge slap in the face. Like, oh my God, that's me. But by the time I had read this, I had already kind of gone through university, already kind of had that like sort of adult awakening of like, oh my God, I've missed out on so much. Um, and I was already past, I think, the end of this book, basically in my own character arc. I would have been in like American Born Chinese Volume 2. Um, but the story of Volume 1 was my story. And so it was like looking backwards for me. Whereas I think if I had read it in school, it would have been like I'm looking in a mirror. I don't know. What about you? Um, this is very interesting. For I think... For me, um, I didn't grow up in Toronto. I spent some of my formative years in uh, BC, uh, mm. British Columbia. British uh, Columbia, lots of Asians there. Yes, which had a lot of Asians. And well, I was in um, 
a city town i don't know uh called richmond i think it's a city but yeah i don't know how it works now like because in in toronto it's also kind of confusing anyway yeah um it had a very very big um hong kong expat population so like everyone that i grew up with that were also east asian not everyone but like a high majority of them um so cantonese which i didn't understand but that was fine um i was not born uh here in canada i was born in taiwan but we moved away when i was in grade four um so right i it's kind of interesting because my first two years were spent in the u.s in new jersey where we were in a small town that was like kind of like your environment growing up where it was like i was the only one (laughs) there was like one other east asian looking person and they were japanese in my grade um right so it was like when i first when we first immigrated i could not speak any english but then within two years i spoke like pretty much fluent um english it was also because i was young and like yeah you you catch on a language is faster when you're younger yeah and and then we moved um to bc and and then i was suddenly like surrounded by a lot of east asians again um Mm. and so i think i also had a lot of internalized racism because it's impossible not to i think um when your biggest desire is to fit in like you have to internalize a lot of the 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 kind of like not necessarily hatred but the derision that um is kind of levied at you so i had that too um which i never really interrogated um while i was in high school but it was like i would feel like i was better um than uh my classmates who did speak with an accent um and I was also like, <laughs> I was also like Jean in that I like, I had enough of a circle of people that were East Asian, but that weren't like, um, it was called like fresh off the boat, like fobs. Like, yeah. Wasn't like fobs, I guess was what we said. And that was like, that was a thing for me where I was like, I'm better. I'm different. Um, than that because that is like the lowest on the totem pole um back then so like when i read the when when i read the graphic novel i keep confusing graphic novel and comic but anyway um yeah i i was like whoa <laughs> that's <laughs> me yeah <laughs> yeah 100 percent. and like it was I was definitely called out and but in a way I was also like I feel so seen because like that's not really something that you really talk about right Mm. even though I had other friends who were like me um who looked Asian and also like I could speak Mandarin um, at home I was much better at it back then than I am now um but it was still I still felt felt like I'm different there's this distinction because I'm closer to like the the west or like i'm closer to being like a canadian um so then like reading it i I was like wow like this is a normal thing to feel 
um, to feel this kind of like hatred uh, towards my own culture. Self self hatred, yeah. Yeah, and then, but also, it is bad. <laughs> like no, totally. Hey, yeah, yeah, and like the the graphic novel was like, it's okay. Like yes, it's normal to feel this, but also that's you know this is not a good thing. Um, and then I was like, wow, like this is so. This is so eye opening, um, but it—it's like I felt. Yeah, I felt seen. I felt like this is this is me, and it could be better. <laughs> yeah, could, I could be better, right? I I think that's like the 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 similarity between our experiences is like, oh my god, we feel seen here. I feel called out. You're like, I feel seen. That's me. And I think that I think that if if you were to list essential reads that come out of like the Asians Represent podcast, like like Orientalism, a hundred percent up there. But I, I would I would put American born Chinese on that list. Because even if you're not Chinese, this is still something that you would get. Yeah. Um, because it, this is a story of the diaspora. Yeah, I think if you're like yeah, if you're diaspora and living in a place where what you look like is not the majority, you would definitely relate. Um, yeah, it's universal in that way. Where it's, I hmm? oh no, you go ahead. Sorry, no, no, go ahead. Oh no, I was just saying like when we were in Ottawa last weekend, when the the funeral we were attending was in like a small town. There's like nine thousand people there. And I saw, like, no Asian people. And, like, I stood out. Like, and, like, it didn't help that I was, like, like I fully dressed like a Uniqlo model. I had, like, Arizona on. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, I mean, go and <laughs> I'm about to. Yeah, I was, like, you know, I got the oversized Arizona tees. I got the shorts. Um, and uh, I had, like, a really obnoxious Jays hat on. Um, and we were at a brewery and an older white guy looked at me and then just gave me like the squinty eyes, like full on. And I was like, and like in that moment, I was like, I want to fucking fight this guy. Like I'll fight an old man. Bad idea. But I'm also like with my partner's family. And I'm like, I want to. I want to tell them that this happened, but also we were just at the cemetery and I don't want to cause a scene. So I like sit there and I don't even tell my partner because I don't want her to like stress out. And so I'm like, I'm just going to stress out. And I just sit there and I'm also like covered in mosquito bites because we went. They like Chinese food, apparently. Um, Ontario, once it hits summer, is just festering it's fucking with bro- bugs. It's the worst. But like, I'm sitting there in this brewery trying to like be like, everything's okay, while I'm trying to throw hints to my partner that like, hey, I want to go. But like, I'm not telling her why. And she just thinks I'm getting impatient and I don't want to spend time with her family. And I'm like, I want to go. <laughs> um, and... For me, it was like, I just want to, like, blend in. And, like, that's the story of American-born Chinese. And, like, you don't even have to be American. Like, 
Canadian. We're, we're Canadian and it's the exact same story. And I full on had that sort of like, I wish I blended in more. Yeah. That moment when you suddenly feel that you're just, you're, you just don't belong here. Oh, hundred percent. Like I, when, so we had the, uh, at the cemetery, like, I didn't know what to do. I've never been to like a white person's like funeral before. And like, you know, like Chinese funerals are like, really, there's lots of ritual involved and stuff like that. And I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know what to wear. Um, Turns out like dressing like an Abercrombie model. I wore like, uh, anyways, I had an outfit change, but um, I, uh, when we went to the cemetery, I definitely think that her family, who we are, I'm meeting for the first time. This is her dad's side of the family. I'm, I've, her, I've met, I've spent a lot of time with her mom's side of the family, but never met her dad's side of the family. And they all come from this small town. And I definitely don't think that they expected me to be Asian. I don't think that there was any judgment or anything, but there was like, oh, like the surprise sort of look. Um, and I was like, oh my God, like, this is so weird for me. Like the funeral wasn't even the weird part. It was like looking like this was the weird part for me. And I was like, that's American born Chinese. And they've done that exact same thing in the first season of like fresh off the boat. Did you ever watch that? No, I didn't. Um, so yeah, in fresh off the boat, like the book is very different from the TV show. All like full on disclaimer there. The book is way darker. Um, but in the TV show in the first season, when Eddie Wong was still involved with the show, um, there is a a scene when and they do it very subtly in the ABC TV show where Eddie opens up his lunch at school and he has noodles. And then, you know what they're going to say? Oh, you're eating worms, right? Um and he goes home and he's like, I want to get white people lunch. And he wants to get like lunchables, like that sort of thing. And we see sort of like we get glimpses of trying to blend in in so many forms of media, like fresh off the boat, really big one. But I don't think we've ever seen a that idea of like self-hatred trying to blend in and fighting against your parents and your culture put in the forefront of a story like American born Chinese. Yeah, that's true. And I would say that I think we both agree that the graphic novel in the way it's told is much better as a movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's the, the, the theme is much stronger in the in the graphic novel. Way stronger. And like the way that the story plays out is just it completely is wrapped around the theme, which is brilliant. But also like that kind of like almost like parable like uh, story, mm-hmm. I think works better as a film. I also really don't think that they could do they couldn't do a shot for shot remake of the graphic novel in live action 
I really, I really don't know because Ki Hui Kwan's character, his analog in the graphic novel, is full on wearing that traditional Chinese sort of like outfit. He's got the right. eyes, the buck teeth, yeah. and his yeah. accent yeah. is this really problematic accent. Yeah, and he's this caricature. It's a caricature yeah. of. That that yellow face caricature yeah. in the graphic novel, and I don't think they could have done that. No, in live action. No way. To the, to the extreme extent, because what they did in the live action show was instead they have Ki Hui Kwan play this. He plays dual roles in the series. He he is the actor and he is in this meta TV show within the TV show, and. He plays essentially like Bobby Lee's character in Mad TV. Uh, which itself was like interesting because he played like he played many characters, but there was this whole thing about like he's your average Asian, but and everybody thinks that he's good at math or good at violin, but he just can't, and that's like the joke. But I don't think that they could have done the sort of extreme examples of the sort of internalized racism and sort of external racism that you see in the graphic novel in live action. Yeah, I and I completely agree. And I think the live action show is a lot more focused than the graphic novel. There is this clearer meta plot of like, oh, Wei Chen has to find the fourth scroll. And they talk about that in the graphic novel, but it's more of a driving force in the TV show. Yeah, I would say that the TV show's plot is a lot more um, action focused. Like, it's not focused 100%. necessarily narratively, but it's more like, yeah. yeah, it's more, it's more action oriented, I think. Like, yeah, the action drives the plot, not the sort of hard hitting drama like in the comic. Yes. Yeah. I, and I think that's a good creative choice. And I'll say this like, they have like an all star team behind it, like an all star team. Um, I think one of the biggest X factors is Kelvin Yu on it. And a lot of people don't even know who Kelvin Yu is, but he's behind like a lot of incredible work. So Kelvin Yu is like the guy he in the credits is like created for TV by Kelvin Yu, right? He's also, I think he's the executive producer as well. But Kelvin Yu is an incredible writer and producer. So You've seen him on screen in only a couple of things. The most notable thing he's been on screen for is actually Master of None. Um, have you seen Master of None? Okay, so Master of None was that in Ziz Ansari show. Really good show. But Kelvin Yu played his like hot Asian best friend in Master of None. Um, but Kelvin Yu um, has been working on Bob's Burgers since like it started. He's been working on Bob's Burgers since, I'd always been working on it since like, not since it started. He's been working on it since like 2020, I think. Because I know he joined Bob's Burgers later because his name appears in the credits, not in the earlier seasons. Um, but he's written a whole bunch of episodes of Bob's Burgers and he's credited as an executive producer on that show. Um, and so he has a lot of experience with TV um, and telling these sort of really subtle, dramatic stories. Like, Bob's Burgers has some seriously good storytelling. Oh, kitty cat. Um, but Kelvin Yu is like, they've got an Asian producer behind the scenes working on this TV show with Disney. 
Whereas in like Mulan, they had like a white costume designer and I think they had a white director for Mulan or something like that. Um, But in American War Chinese, they have this like, it's created by a Chinese guy based on a comic by a Chinese guy. And both of them are like, um, like of the diaspora because like Jin Yang is, was born, he is an ABC and Kelvin Yu is, I believe, an ABC. Um, and they've got this incredible source material. They've got a great producer who picked it at the right time. Because if they had made this pre-pandemic, I don't think anybody would have watched it. Why? I don't think so. Because, because people don't... Pre-pandemic, I don't think people would have valued this type of storytelling. Like, I think when Fresh Off the Boat came out, which was pre-pandemic, it was like a big deal because it was an all-Asian cast. But they're not talking about the story. I think right now there are a lot more eyes on Asian storytellers because of everything everywhere all at once. And in American-born Chinese, Michelle Yeoh is in American-born Chinese. She's incredible as Guan Yin. Yeah. They're like... Kihu Kwan, he plays a really good role. Like, so he's he plays the actor who is in this old sitcom called Beyond Repair, where he plays an Asian caricature. And it's almost like he's playing himself, right? But his roles of like Short Round and Data and the Goonies weren't really necessarily um, like harmful for Asians. They were actually groundbreaking. But he is playing a, f- he is playing his character is literally an actor who played the token asian he's the perfect choice for it also him michelle yo won oscars so there's a lot of attention on them and then of course like james hong plays the jade emperor and stephanie shu is like she plays like what was it the um she's one of the the demons the associate of rocks i don't think i watched that far but. No, you haven't gone that far yet. Um, but they have this like incredible cast of people who have a ton of spotlight on them right now. And I think now is the perfect time for people to watch this at no no risk because there are so many people who um, have uh, watched, like who are thinking about like the diaspora. I know you said you, you need a break. How, how much time do you need, Agatha? Like five i think oh be. i could just keep talking then i'll just keep talking i'll just keep talking yeah i'll just keep talking yeah like can step I, away from can you I i'll turn just keep my talking camera off or is that gonna mess things up for you i don't you could always turn your camera off we'll figure it out it's all good no worries um there we go now we just have a picture of agatha um but yeah like uh while while agatha kind of um steps steps away for a minute um I think this is the perfect time for American-born Chinese to be out there because just all this attention that we see on Chinese diaspora and Asian-American storytelling, it's also a great time for it to come out because like streaming is so prevalent. Everybody has Disney Plus or everybody has a friend who has Disney Plus who shares it with them like I do. Um, I share my Disney Plus with actually Emma on Asians Represent uh, and my family and a whole bunch of other friends take that Disney. Um, but it's so accessible now. And I think that, you know, with the success of everything everywhere all at once and Crazy Rich Asians and Shang-Chi, 
I think people want this kind of story. I also think that people are more understanding of the sort of issues that Asian Americans are facing right now due to the racism that has kind of been, I'm not going to say created by the pandemic, but the racism that people have felt empowered to be more vocal about because of the pandemic. Um, And so to see characters being normal, to see characters who have very similar struggles to everyone else, I think is perfect right now. Um, yeah. But yeah. <laughs> hey, you're back. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I just really into the show. Um, I think the casting is perfect. Um, I think that the fact that they didn't go with like the old, like, the, you know, they didn't cast like this the the usual sort of actors mm. in the leads. I think is really interesting. Like I think Ben Wong, who plays Jin Wong, uh, the lead, is incredible. Yeah. He's so good. He is very. He good. is so good. Like um, I was like, damn, okay. Like I've never seen him in anything else. Yeah, me neither. But I also don't really watch things usually. But like he really captures. I mean, also the script is very good. Um, but like it really captures that like immense awkwardness, like self-consciousness um, of like that age, I feel. 100%. It's like I think the main difference between the show and the comic is that it's less about him wanting to be white. Being white isn't his way, like literally isn't his way of fitting in. He just doesn't want to be noticed. So he wants to participate in the things like he wants to be on the soccer team. Uh, He wants to not wear this weird hoodie that says hot stuff on the back. He like wants to wear like the Levi's denim jacket. Um, He doesn't want to be noticed for his hobbies. Like he doesn't want to talk about comics. Yeah, I feel like. Yeah, that is a very smart choice. I mean, yeah, all, a lot of these choices are all it, they first of all make a lot of sense for Disney Plus, the platform, because yes, like safe. Yes, it is much safer. But at the same time, like safe is not it's not always like a bad thing. <laughs> it's, it's also just very smart, I think, like making because it is there is a generational gap, I think, in like how like North Americans and or Europeans, like just like people in the West um, feel uh, about like diversity compared to 10, no, 20 years ago. It was t- around 20 years ago. This, this, the graphic novel? Yeah. Graphic novel came out 14 years ago. Or no. 14? Uh, 17 years ago. 17. Yeah. 17 so years ago. Compared to like 17 years ago, there's like a really big difference. So like at, I feel like also, I guess it depends on the town that you live in, but like that kind of like, I just want to disappear into whiteness specifically is like a little bit different from like the cultural milieu now. So I feel like that was very smart to kind of like, yeah. Switch and I up. think another thing is that when the original story was told, social media wasn't a big thing. Yes. Like when when the graphic novel came out, like in two thousand and six, I had 
just gotten a Facebook. Yes, same. And that was back when, when you got a Facebook account, you could say like how you know somebody. Oh, and like wow. Okay, I got it. After yeah, you. it was like, oh yeah, because of the original Facebook, it was like you had to get invited. Oh, right. And then you would have to say how you're connected to somebody. And then people would always do funny things. Um, wow. Yeah. Like I remember getting my first Facebook account and being like, what am I going to do with this? Um, like, I don't know what I want to do with this. Um, but like, I think playing off of social media now and yeah. like this faux TikTok yeah. is like super smart good. because they, the sort of like stereotypical like fob character that's in it and the sort of like this like old sort of cartoon, right? The yellow face character in, or the, I guess the character that is alluded to the yellow face stereotype Mm -hmm. um, or stereotypes of Asians in general, uh, you see in the comic is basically like the memes of Kihui Kwan's character that go around social media and how that meme very subtly affects Gene in the show when that sort of video of him goes viral. Yeah. Um, It's the perfect modern interpretation interpretation of it because social media has to play a role in it i agree it has to play a role in it and people aren't going to be i think it would have been too easy for them for people to just be overtly racist towards him yes and i think a lot of the hardships that he has to face need to come from within and there's like yeah and the way that the racism is in in the show is portrayed in the show versus like the graphic novel is like there's so much more like microaggressions which makes so much sense as well so much more and, and, like and very so much more relevant very relatable i like <laughs> halfway through watching the first episode or was it the second i don't remember i was like this show is too real <laughs> i have too many feels it, it's it's true i, I mean like the whole thing of like, oh, I'm going to pull you out of class because we have a new Asian student coming in and you're going to like be his buddy, but he speaks perfect English, right? And we were talking about that in the in our patron chat in the Discord server. Um, it's like that sort of shit is like everyone can relate to that because it won't even happen to you if you're Asian. It's going to happen to you if you're just the minority. It's like, oh, you're going to be this person's buddy. Yeah. Like, oh, can, yeah. can you like, have you ever been at work when there's like, uh, a Chinese like patron or customer or whatever, and then they're like, "Hey, Daniel, can you talk to them? How do you, you just assume I speak Chinese?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that still happens, and it's very subtle, like you said. And I think that's the way to go with this. Yeah. Then have him constantly deal with like the easy stuff. I think him hating himself is such a like that being like his primary obstacle is is so smart i think the only unrealistic thing uh, aside from the supernatural stuff the only unrealistic thing for me the thing that i could not get is his mom his mom is far too nice and supportive when i was watching it so we binged the first four episodes sarah um my partner everyone who is who is not chinese she is white um was like oh is that relatable and i was like yeah but like i feel like i had it way worse yeah like i feel like i had it way worse than jin 
not only from like how I treated myself when I was in high school, but also like my family. Yeah. Like my my dad wasn't around a lot because he worked a lot um, when we were younger, as like you see in the show. Um, but my dad was like re- is really was really good at what he does, and he didn't have the struggles that um, I guess Gene's dad had. Gene's uh, dad, first of all, played by Chin Han, great actor. If you've seen Contagion, he is in Contagion. Um, he's in a whole bunch of other things too. But uh, the mom was so different from my mom because my mom was like your stereotypical like Asian diaspora tiger mom. I was like, I wouldn't have been able to do half of the things that Jin does. Yeah. I mean, also, like, I, I keep... Sorry, I keep getting like my son's my sunscreen is like really irritating my eyes. Oh, because I my che- <laughs> ran off my old one. I got a new one. It feels really nice, except for my eyes are like dying now. But I I kind of I I agree in terms of like I feel like she's nice in a way where she's like very like North American cool mom. You know what I mean? Yes, very much. Like follow your dreams. Yeah, like. Because I feel like I've definitely encountered, like, very loving and supportive. I mean, not like, again, like, not to say that, like, <laughs> your parents weren't loving or supportive or, like, my parents weren't. But, like, I feel like they're, like, supportive in a very specific way, even when they're, like, very accepting, which my parents actually were, especially my dad, were of me. But it's still, like, it feels a little bit different um, from the way that this show portrays it but i also understand because again it's on disney plus and like i feel like yeah this has happened in both of the uh so the director or at least one of the directors daniel uh destin daniel uh cretton he directed shang chi unrealistic asian moms in both oh, yeah. shang chi yeah, and yeah, american because yeah, his mom really literally says i'm proud of you to him as a kid i'm like i don't think my mom said she was proud of me until i was a in my late 20s it's very interesting though because like there is like a whole generation of like chinese parents who are like very doting on their children like because because of like the one child policy right so i feel like it's not necessarily inaccurate um to be i guess inaccurate to my experience yeah it's also not very accurate to my experience either i just i can't imagine my mom like getting to that point where she would just tell me that she was proud of me go for the sports go 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 to do that yeah Yeah, like at that time i yeah i i i didn't have a good relationship with my parents at the time my parents have a great relationship now they fought a lot when i was younger um and like they were just like they just tried to fill my time uh so that i wouldn't get into trouble yeah yeah or and and i feel like oh no go finish finish it oh no, no you go ahead and I think it's specifically like being that expressive, um, like with how you feel about your child. That is not like disapproval. That that was the part that was like, hmm. but their fights were so very real. It was really good. Yeah, very real. And I mean, like the fact that I don't know. It's just like a really good modern story of the diaspora. I think the family dynamic, despite it being different from like the one that I grew up in, I think was really good. I think everyone can understand like having, uh, you know, one of your parents not 
being at their full potential and having the other parent kind of push them. Or I think people can also understand, you know, feeling lost and not having guidance. Because I think that's the one thing in the TV adaptation that we see. It's like Gene feels lost about who he is. And his mom's just kind of like, you know, be yourself. And he's like, I don't know who I am. And his dad's not there because his dad isn't even being himself. And I think that's what's so different. And that's what's a really subtle difference from the graphic novel. But I think that's something that more people can understand now. Uh, certainly with like the political climate and everything. It's like, yeah, you could have like a super supportive mom and a dad who I wouldn't say doesn't care, but isn't pushing back as hard against what you're trying to do. Um, But if you don't know who you are and if you don't have, for lack of a better word, a guide to kind of discover who you are, then you're just going to feel lost indefinitely. And you might find a way out of that, but in American-born Chinese, the way out of feeling lost for Jin is to distance himself from his roots and try to be like everyone else. And by everyone else, I mean try to be a popular jock um, and not to try to be white, but it's to be with the non-Asian crowd. Yeah. And there are only like a couple of Asian characters. Like he has a best friend who I think is South Asian. Um, who he distanced himself from because uh, he embarrassed him in front of all the white kids. There is, uh, in later episodes, there is like a social justice club. They call themselves the culture club at the school. And their president is Japanese American. And she's the, does this like, she is like the opposite of Jean, where she's like, I am who I am and I'm awesome. And she's like, this meme is harmful and perpetuates stereotypes and people can't do this. And it's like really in your face. Um, and Gina's like, I don't want to be associated with these people. And then there's, of course, Wei Chen, who is like, I will say, another incredible actor. Like, Yeah, I agree. He's very good. So good. Because the character does not have the same kind of depth and relatability in the earlier episodes, I don't know about later episodes, as Gene's character, but he's still, or the character, anyway, but like he's, as Gene. um, Yeah. But like, but I feel like he added a lot to it where I did still He does in the later episodes. He does in the later episodes. They do, I think it was episode four, episode four, episode three, they do this like flashback episode, but it's done in the style of like, an 80s Chinese opera on TV. Like, oh you know those gosh. ones that the old people are always watching? And it's like the Wukong backstory. And it's like, oh, like, it's all about Wukong. And Wukong is like best friends with Numa Wang. And they're trying to go to all these parties. And you see all these cameos from Asian actors. Oh, like, that's it. I didn't read, like, like, James Hong as Jade Emperor, spot on. The one that I couldn't place was al guang who's played by fucking jimmy o yang and he's just like this vain fish man and it's so well done um but it's the backstory of wukong in that he's this trickster right in the stories he's this trickster he always gets into trouble and he finds himself in favorable positions either by his own doing or by fate right 
But this old Wukong contrasts the Wukong that you see at the beginning, where he's like, there is an uprising. There is a war. I need my staff. We need to fight. I am... The Wukong you saw in episode one is basically a mirror of Jean's dad. But the Wukong you see in the flashback is Wei Chen. And there's this incredible growth across four episodes. Um, and you realize that the dynamic between Wukong and Wei Chen is the same as Jean and his father. Um, and Wei Chen is so well done because the way they made him stand out was not really because he's Chinese. The way he stands out is because they made him different from Jin. They made the two outsiders contrast each other in a way where the fact that they're Chinese isn't like the main reason why they stand out. Jin. Oh, go ahead. Well, I feel like the way that it's it's the clear contrast between like someone who has spent longer or like grew up in the West and like a fob. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 that, but also the confidence that they have. Oh yeah, that's like true. everyone, they are foils all of to the they are foils, right? Like all of the marginalized characters of the series all know what Jean is about. Jin doesn't know what he's about, but everyone else sees it. He wants to fit in so bad that he is willing to sacrifice who he really is. Not talk about his hobbies. He's going to distance himself from friends who he thinks are weird. Um, he's going to try to distance himself from the other like student in Wei Chen, right? But then Wei Chen, he's not different because of the food he eats. Like there's that one scene where he's like eating his lunch and he's taking everything out, but that's not really as big of a deal as like the graphic novel might have taken it, right? Yeah. The food because there's that one food scene there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. The crux of that scene is that, you know, he is himself. Yeah, he's not trying he is confident to blend in. He's not trying to be someone else. He's like, yeah, I like this manga series. Here is this dope action figure. I've got the sticker. I've got a robot shirt. I'm just going to dress however I want to dress. And he's confident. And I think that's the thing that makes him stand out. He is confident and he is loud. But not in a way that plays to the fact that he's not loud or confident because he's Chinese. He's loud and confident because he, he, he has figured out who he is, and he's on you know a quest and everything like that. Um, and that I think scares Jin. Yes, because it draws attention to Jin's flaws. Yes. Yeah. I. Um, yeah. I like. Yeah. I like the way that that character is developed a lot as well. Because, like, I feel like it started with, like, we need a foil for Dean's character. Mm-hmm. Um, or, like, you know, whatever the consideration is. But then, like, a lo- I feel like a lot of uh, Wei Chen's, like, behavior is justified because we know, um, we, the audience, know that he's not, like, he's not actually a student um, from China. Um, he he comes from like a position of power already even though it's like you know not as powerful as his dad but he already came from so like a lot of his like confidence and or like even 
like it, in that cafeteria scene in episode one when he kind of just oh, like, yeah. shouts is like hey <laughs> why are you laughing like that kind of like <laughs> or come sit with me or no when he was like he was like why are you laughing to like all the oh yeah afterwards like that's kind of like that kind of confrontational thing i feel like would feel very unrealistic if he didn't have that other layer of like his other pers- uh his other identity um like if he was just an international student like i would be like like i don't that's not relatable but then i'm like oh but this is justified so it that layer um the additional layer of his like mythological origin then justifies a lot of the ways that he is a foil to jin that i thought was very cleverly done yeah i i just i have very little to complain about when it comes to this show I mean, I'm I'm surprised that so few people have been talking about it online. I think that it's a very, very good way of understanding the sort of um, the challenges of being like a kid from two worlds. Because that's literally what they're doing, right? Wei Chen is a kid from two worlds. He's from like Chinese heaven. And now he's living in America. And Jin, while he is an ABC American-born Chinese, he is still a kid of two worlds as well. He is not quite American, and he's not quite Chinese. Right? His Chinese is bad. He's, you know, it makes him stand out. And if he went to China, like me, my first time going to China, you stand out. Like, people know you're not from there. Like, just the fact that I have tattoos, like, I already stand out, right? The way I dress, how I speak, like, I stand out. But here, just like last weekend, in my own country where I was born, I still stand out. So it's like, I'm not from here, and I'm not from China. And that's Jin's character. And that's also Wei Chen's character. But Wei Chen carries that confidence with him that Jin doesn't have. And I just, I think the show is so good. And the casting is incredible. Like, I wouldn't change anything about the casting. Yeah, the casting is Nothing about it. Like, Michelle Yeoh, and I I saw in our chat, somebody else mentioned it too. Michelle Yeoh is incredible as Guan Yin. Absolutely incredible as Guan Yin. And, like, Daniel Wu, also, like, a super underrated actor, if you folks have never heard of Daniel Wu before. But Daniel Wu, playing Wukong, incredible. He's in another really groundbreaking show i don't know if you've seen it agatha it's called into the badlands i have not it's i've not seen it but you've talked about it before it's post-apocalyptic wuxia and it's so good um but daniel wu's been in like a lot of like chinese movies too um he did a really incredible movie with uh with jackie chan uh called new police story um and uh, new police story is uh it's like a reboot of jackie chan's police story series um but daniel Wu played this like young guy who just gets into crime um because of his father like it's really actually interesting how his character in new police story is basically the what happens when 
you push your child away and your child tries to get your attention by turning to crime. Uh, really good. He's super good in that movie. Um, so is Jackie Chan. Um, but he's incredible in that. Um, I haven't, like four episodes in, and we haven't seen enough of Kihoi Kwan to, to know how he's going to, you know, appear in the remaining half of the series. But I already know it's going to be good um, because they basically cast him as an actor who was like, who played an iconic and groundbreaking role as an Asian character in white franchises or white blockbusters. Um, so I think it's going to be great. Um, also, like Ronnie Cheng was in it um, in the sort of like flashback episode, and he was also really good. Um, I, yeah, absolutely love the series do not wish they did anything different i don't know about you do you do you you think that there's anything that you would want them to do differently um i guess there is that always that one thing where when they're speaking mandarin um because i do understand mandarin that i'm always like nervous uh when it's an english-speaking show like of like yeah how it'll sound and it sounds it's generally pretty okay um, and I guess uh, the key, like it's imp- like the Chinese character speaking Mandarin. Yeah, yeah, it's like impossible. Yeah. I mean, also like some of them are Cantonese <laughs> actors. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so like that's harder. Um, it is one thing that always takes me out um, of like being immersed because I'm always like, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> See, I wouldn't notice that. I know. So it's not it's not a big deal. Like it's not very egregious. Um. Honestly, of all the shows, this is very, very good. Um, but it is just a thing that always happens. I, I wouldn't change anything else. I think it was also interesting that the bullying wasn't too bad um, in the first episode and a half. Um, and I I appreciated that as well. And I don't think I would change that either. I don't know why I brought that up when we were talking about things that we would change. I don't think I would change anything else aside from hmm. if they all spoke <laughs> like Mandarin <laughs> with, spoke one, better. with one specific so you, so you, accent, I think. So you know what's really funny? Um, this is well documented. Um, I don't know if this was intentional or not, but um, Daniel Wu, he when he started acting he couldn't actually speak mandarin uh he's actually like an abc and he can't read chinese so when he was doing like chinese film productions he had to basically be told how to say things phonetically which is really interesting um obviously it's improved since then um but yeah i i I get that but i knew that coming in because i knew who daniel wu was right um I don't know anything about the other actors. I I, do I, think, I think it was also a spark. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. I was going to say, but also it's like of all the ones that I have watched, it's very good. So like, it's actually, it's not as big of an issue. I, would I say. think if they had made this 10 years ago, all the characters would have, would have been speaking Cantonese. Oh. And I think now Mandarin, at least from my experience, I think if I were to make this, let's let's rephrase that. If I were to make this 10 years ago, 
I would have had everyone speaking Cantonese. Because growing up, I never heard a lot of people speaking Mandarin growing up. Yeah, that's true. Because most of the Chinese diaspora to North America is actually like from the South. It's from Guangdong province, it's from Hong Kong, where everybody speaks Cantonese. It's why if you watch Warrior, another extremely groundbreaking show about the diaspora, all of the characters in Warrior speak Cantonese. Yeah. They don't speak Mandarin. I mean, yeah, it makes sense that a lot of there there's a lot of Cantonese speakers in like the English speaking world because a lot of them came from Hong Kong, like specifically yeah. when it was um But in twenty twenty three though, I think there are a lot more Mandarin speaking yes. people in North America now. Yeah, so yeah. it makes total sense. Yeah. I think the only th- other thing I might have changed is is maybe the director. Because the director's not Chinese. Yeah. Um, I mean, the director of the first and the last episodes. The other ones are... Yes, 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 absolutely. At least Um, East Asian. And that's just nitpicking. But I think he has experience working with Disney, and he did Shang-Chi. So I think that he was certainly qualified. That's just me nitpicking. Yeah. Um, I also feel like, yeah, we're just nitpicking. Like, it's actually just We're just nitpicking at this point. It's a phenomenal show. And I I know that, like, we had a question from Kat, uh, one of our patron questions, who was, um, it's actually a really good question to kind of end with. Okay. Because I think we're just going to keep talking about how relatable American-born Chinese is. And then we're going to get into really sad stories about our our younger days. Um, But Kat asked a question was uh, and it was do you feel that the american-born chinese adaptation on disney plus portrays something new or different about the chinese diaspora experience in north america um and does every piece of media created that centers diaspora stories have to be new or advance a narrative in some way yeah that's a great question for you since i didn't watch fresh off the boat yeah so there's like a lot of stuff about the diaspora out there um, obviously there's like fresh off the boat. It's American born Chinese. Um, there's, there's la, a, a movie. It was very, con- I wouldn't say controversial, but like, it's a darker one. Um, I'd, I'd be surprised if our audience saw it. Um, have you ever heard of better luck tomorrow? Okay. So, uh, better luck tomorrow was like, I think it's an indie film, but it came out like, like in 2001, 2000, 2003, early 2000s. Only reason why I know about it is because it has um, Jason Tobin, who is in Warrior, and Sung Kang, who is in Fast and Furious. Um, he plays Han. But uh, Better Luck Tomorrow is like a crime movie about these overachieving Asian kids who basically get into crime. Uh, and it's it's dark. It's a dark movie. Um, but I think that one was extremely was a huge step forward for the Asian community in terms of representation because it pushes back against the model minority myth, which is a hundred percent one of the themes of American born Chinese. Um, but I think Better Luck Tomorrow is like really important in the conversation about you know showing different parts of the diaspora. Um, I think American born Chinese, what I think it brings differently to, to this conversation is that it's not, it really brings it to the, the current generation, right? Because better luck tomorrow was in like 
early 2000s. The original American Born Chinese comic came out in the early 2000s. Warrior is on Cinemax, so not everybody's going to watch it. And it's also like a crime drama uh, about intense racism uh, and is extremely violent. Fresh Off the Boat is, I would say, only the first season is particularly real. And then it just becomes another sitcom. And I think, but that's also why I think Fresh Off the Boat's important because it was just a normal show with an Asian family. Um, so it didn't, to Kat's question, it didn't sort of advance the narrative in, in a sense, apart from just general representation. I think that American Board Chinese, I don't think it necessarily brings anything that new, stuff that like hasn't already been done, obviously since the book has been out for a really long time. But I think that it is the perfect and safest way for people to understand Chinese culture, um, understand what it's like for kids of the diaspora, particularly when they're so marginalized in their like communities, um, but also kind of understand the, in a more realistic sense, family dynamics. Because I can think of the only other really real, like, hard-hitting example of that sort of parent-child relationship from the diaspora is Turning Red. And I guess you could say everything everywhere all at once. Yeah. Um, But Turning Red made me cry. American Born Chinese hasn't made me cry yet, but it has made me feel more seen consistently than Turning Red. Yeah, I would agree. Um, having not seen much else, <laughs> that it does bring something else to the table. I, I think I agree with you in that it is kind of talking about these themes, about identity, um, about um, uh, reconciling with your cultural roots, um, you know, just growing up in general. Um into like the current generation and like current understandings of um, diversity and things like that with within that context. So I think it does bring something new. Um, yeah, certainly. I think it's that self-hating sort of that theme of self-hate. Yeah, I think it's the new thing it brings. I mean, that was uh, that was in the original American Born Chinese, like the graphic novel. I guess to a new audience, then you would say. Yeah. Um, and I I also think that in general, like stories like media, especially media that is produced, so like movies and or shows um, that are about like race and identity, it's hard to have like a saturation of it <laughs> because these things Absolutely. all have like they had to pull investments from somewhere, right? Like there's money that goes into this more than just like small and even indie productions need money. And so, like, it's kind of different, I think, from, like, writing, where there can be a lot more because just, like, in terms of the cost overhead, it's a lot lower. But I think in our current yeah. point, uh, in our, like, in the West, like, there's there's no way for you to actually tell, like, stories that are the same. Because, like, I don't think you can keep pulling investors for the same thing. That is 
about like such not a for thing. not for stories about the about minorities exactly. like us yeah so i yeah. think right now uh, within these media specifically i don't think that's possible to tell nothing new um about the diaspora experience um 100 agree i i think that we as creators and i say this for like ttrpgs you know right and same thing goes for film these creators don't get like second chances we often don't get second chances and like the sequel or season two is never guaranteed and you've seen shows that shouldn't be canceled get canceled um and i think when it comes to stories about that diaspora i think it is well known that if you get a chance to tell a story you do everything you can to tell as much as you possibly can within the the confines of the system you're operating in yeah and that being said i also like to answer the other part of that question which i feel like kat asked like already it's a little bit like a rhetorical question about like it do these stories always need to tell something new about this topic and i think the answer is no because they will generally always be different and it's also okay to like say the same thing but there will be aspects that are different because it's from different perspectives. So, yeah. And I just think there's not enough stories yet. So you're always going to see something new regardless of your intent. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think we just need more stuff like American born Chinese. Um, I'm not, I don't think there should, I mean, we haven't finished the series, but it's one book. Like it's just one book. There's, it's not like a series or anything. I mean, there are. So a lot I don't of, think we're gonna get. There are a lot of books that exist already that talk about like. Yeah, and I think we should have more stories like that. Like, I would love to. You know what I think does a really good job of it, like Spider Verse, like the the Spider Verse movies. I can't wait to see the sequel, but I think they do a really good job of introducing audiences to new characters and new perspectives. Yeah, I think then. To add on to what you said, it would be great if there are a lot more of like, how do I, like, media with like mass appeal that are talking about this topic. Yes. Because I think that's a part of what you were saying as well. Like, like the Spider-Verse and then like this show that is on Disney Plus. um, That's everything everywhere all at once winning all those Oscars. I, yeah, a hundred percent. Um, I want to see more stories about the diaspora, but I also just want to see like more, they don't even have to be set in our time. Cause imagine if you had a story about the diaspora, but set in like a science fiction universe, you could still do that. And it, it would still be an interesting story and you could still cast an Asian actor, but it doesn't have to be like the Chinese diaspora. Right. Um, I think. I want to see this in like, I I basically, I think my dream would be for somebody to be able to turn on their TV or their computer and go to their favorite streaming platform and be able to across multiple forms or multiple sort of like programs, see a full picture of the diaspora. Like I want people to see the really intense racism that people face, right? Whether it be historic or, or, or present, right? There is, uh, uh, obviously I recommend Warrior, 
but there is also an independent film that I would also recommend um, by Justin Chan. Uh, he is most famous for being the token Asian Eric Yorkie in the Twilight franchise. Um, but yeah, Justin Chan wrote a movie called Gook uh, about two Korean Americans who run a shoe store during the LA riots. And I want to see more stories like that. I want to see stories like Everything Everywhere All at Once because that was novel and very different, right? Because it was sci-fi, but also like you don't see stories about you know, the mom, like Michelle Yeoh's character. You don't see that. Um, you don't see characters that are like suave and desirable in a lot of movies like for many people, I think until everything everywhere all at once, Kihui Kwan was basically just the goofy token Asian in Indiana Jones and the Goonies, even though his characters were awesome. Like Short Round and Data were awesome characters. Oh, you're talking about like um, like male presenting uh, yeah. characters that are Asian as being attractive. Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. And like I, I want to see more of that. Like I think that's why Simulu in the Barbie movie, I think, is Im- important too. Because I remember my cousins when they were they were like really young for Christmas wanting like a like a doll, but they not being able to find like an Asian one, right? And I think that's why like Simu Liu in the Barbie movie is like Asian Ken is like really cool. I don't know if they're gonna be Asian Barbies, um, but I want to see. Asian stories or Asian characters across all forms of media. Like I want, I want to see like, I want to see horror movies. I want to see like these romantic comedies, um, like crazy rich Asians. Like I want to see these dramas. I want to see action movies. I want to see TV shows. I want to see sitcoms. I just want to see more. And it can't be that we just get one a year. You want to see more produced in the West. Yes, because, yeah, of course we can go and watch, like, mainstream sort of, like, productions in from China and Hong Kong and all that. But in the context of this episode, when we're talking about the diaspora, that's simply not going to be the case. Yeah. like If we're going to go there, we're going to get one of the Sprouse brothers playing in a Chinese movie. Yeah, diaspora made media for diaspora. And exactly. everyone else and, as well. And everyone else. And, it's gotta, and I think it's got to be palatable to to it's got to have that mass appeal not only because it needs to be financially successful but also because i think it is a lesson in empathy it can't just be like oh we want only asians watch american-born chinese and just feel like oh that's me but then nobody else understands it like i think it's important for other people to understand it um and i think disney and like the production team behind the show made the right moves fruit fly uh made the right moves in making it appealing to like a wider audience and i think there's something to be said for like approaching a hard topic um but i think you have to find a balance of like finding the right hard topic to touch on making it accessible and i say this within the context of ttrpgs too considering this is my grievance about the thing that we did 
remember that thing um is like i think it's important to have to have conversations about hard topics and have media examine hard topics and i think when you shy away from them i just say it's fantasy i think you're taking the easy way out and so with with american born chinese with american born chinese i think it is not the case of disney taking the easy way out but i think it is a case of disney making a hard conversation more accessible to people that's my take on it yeah and i think i really commend them for that and that is a feat in terms of how it is written Yeah. Do you have any other thoughts about American-born Chinese before we wrap up? No. I think it's pretty fun. It's a fun series to watch. It's not... And it's like the special effects are good, too. Yeah. All right. I guess you haven't haven't gotten to some of the other stuff yet. I think the initial CGI, that chase scene in the beginning of the first episode, CGI is not so good. Um, But as the series progresses, it's really good. It gets really good. That's good. The practical effects are really well done and you could tell they're trying to make it look like an old Chinese movie. Yeah. I could I did feel that and I, I like You're that. gonna I, you're gonna get it later on. It's so good. Okay. Cool. Yeah, it's a yeah. fun it's and, not too heavy. So I would recommend it for general consumption. Certainly not. I actually am guilty of being like there is this one episode where they go to a uh go to like a party in the present they go to a party and i'm full on expecting the worst of it i'm like are they gonna ambush him are they gonna like beat him up or is he gonna get like assaulted are they gonna racially attack him the entire time and that doesn't happen but like the entire time i'm expecting the worst and i don't know if that's what they intended if they did kudos but if they didn't it's just me being like oh my god when is it gonna happen yeah and and i think that's how you know they've made it very relatable yeah that's fair yeah um yeah uh, oh yes but anyways we have some folks to thank for this episode and it's our amazing patrons uh our patrons make this possible our patrons will actually have like a very extended version of this episode because this episode is just going to be us talking about American born Chinese, but our patrons are going to get like an extra 40 minutes of content on this episode. Um, Our patrons get a lot of extra stuff. They get our show notes. They get behind the scenes stuff. Um, They also get a whole other video podcast, the video for no dice, no problem. Our new monthly show where Drew and I talk about nothing related to asian representation like literally last last month agatha drew and i talked about how we want to do an episode a podcast in a bathroom and just sit in like adjacent stalls and just do a podcast like that it's just drew has been talking about doing this for like months (laughs) i I do not understand (laughs) but but that is no dice no problem that is a monthly show audio does go out but patrons get exclusive video and an exclusive theme song performed by Drew. It is real good. Um, but that's it. We have some folks to thank. Um, all of our disciples, our guardians. I'm going to actually rename some of these because I think our most honorable patrons, I want to call them our most honorable sponsors. Um, <laughs> but uh, Metal Weave Games, Valorous Games, Michelle, Stefan, most honorable times two. Got to say it every time. Epic Impulse and Bob C. You folks are amazing. Um, I'm just so happy that 
our, you know, we have a community behind us and I want to make sure that we make you folks proud and uh, keep putting out good content. Um, but Asians represent, we've only got a couple more episodes in this season uh, and we've got some good ones. Uh, we have uh, Liana is leading her first episode and it's going to be on like Final Fantasy. I know nothing about it. I'm just going to be there producing. But Liana is doing that. Super excited about that. Um, we're doing one on, I believe, Agatha on Korea. We're pre-recording that one, right? Uh, and then we've got our finale episode where I think we're talking comics again, but I, I have to I have to check. Um but yeah, we've got a couple episodes ahead of us this season. And then Liana and I were talking about doing um, a Dungeon and Dungeons and Asians one shot. Um, but it would be a test of the new game we're designing called Wandering Blades. Um, so we're probably going to do that uh, after this season of Asians Represent ends. Um, but I'm just excited that we're doing this. Agatha, I'm excited that you and I got to do this episode together. Yeah. Because, like, I really enjoy hearing your thoughts on American-born Chinese. Because I was really genuinely curious about what you would think of this. And I really want to know your thoughts on the flashback episode. <laughs> like, I think you're going to really love it. Right, probably but I want to hear th- <laughs> I want to hear your thoughts on it. Um, because I laughed so fucking hard. <laughs> I, thought, I thought it was just so good because it, like the way they did the sets like it was they made it just look so much like a chinese tv show like the shows that are always on repeat at your grandparents yeah. house like they made it they, they did such a good job of making it look like that <laughs> um i'm just super hyped but i hope even if you're not asian even if you're not chinese you should watch american born chinese um because it is an incredible show about the diaspora about discovering oneself um but also is a really interesting gateway into chinese mythology and classical chinese literature like journey to the west um and all of the media associated with journey to the west it's really different um, so i would not take it it's as very different <laughs> any kind don't of don't it's not canon it's yeah. not canon um but it's a it's an interesting look into the world of journey to the west adaptations or things inspired by it um but yeah, so if you have access to Disney Plus, if you have access to, if you have access to a friend who has Disney Plus, <laughs> try watching it. Um, if not, um, you're perfectly fine reading American Born Chinese because it is an incredible graphic novel um, that is still in print. Um, so I would definitely go check that out. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to say, Agatha, I'm glad we did this episode together. And to those who are listening or watching, thank you for joining us for this episode of Asians Represent. And we'll see you next time. Bye, everyone. Bye.